Hey, all of you beautiful humans. Welcome back to another episode of the Search for Serotonin podcast, a show about releasing the stigma surrounding mental health and finally finding your own happiness. I'm your host, Carolyn Farrick, and I'm sharing my most vulnerable stories around my own mental health journey in an open and authentic way to help you feel less alone in your struggles. We all deserve to be happy and we don't need to find happiness alone. So welcome to the search committee. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Search for Serotonin podcast. My name is Carolyn Farrick, your host, and today I am so excited to get into our topic because we have another guest joining us. We have Selena Lodia, who is joining us all the way from Australia, so I'm so glad we were able to make this work. She is a trauma counselor, a neuro-linguistic programming and cognitive behavioral therapy practitioner, life and career coach, musician, producer, and she also is the live stream host of Real and Raw Conversations with Shalina. So you are doing a lot, girly, and I'm so glad you made time for this. (laughs) Uh, Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoy talking about these topics because you never know who needs to hear it and learn something from it. Yeah, exactly. And that's really what this podcast is about is to get as much, you know, information and have as many conversations surrounding mental health out there. So people who maybe are new in their mental health journey, or just trying to figure things out, um, giving them a resource to kind of help themselves while dealing with all of this. So I really appreciate you coming on. And today we're going to be talking a little bit about trauma, intergenerational trauma, Um, parasympathetic nervous system, and then also how parents cause their children trauma. So a lot of good topics that I personally probably can relate to a little bit, and I feel like a lot of people can. Um, So I'm excited to dive into this. Yes, yes, I can't wait. It's something I've been doing for a while now, and um, I started doing it because in my culture, so I'm Indian, there's not enough talk about trauma and um, how it affects us on a daily basis so because of my awareness and my experiences I thought you know what I should actually start doing this like a lot more than what I'm doing I need to get it out there to help people yeah I love that so much and I love that you saw that gap and you said you know in your own community and you wanted to take the step up to be the one starting those conversations and advocating more and actually one of my questions is why did you get into trauma therapy or trauma counseling um And so that's interesting to hear that you had that bigger reason behind it. So before we start jumping in, do you want to just give us a little bit about your backstory, you know, any information you want to share about who you are, what you do and how you got to where you are today? Yeah, so um, I'm a counselor, I'm a a trauma counselor, and I specialize in trauma, intergenerational trauma, but I also help people through other things as well. Um, I went through my own traumas growing up. So I grew up without my father, so I had an absent father. So that was already, you know, grief and abandonment from a very young age. And then I've also been through like, you know, domestic violence and, you know, just a lot of, when I was in school, I went through a lot of um, bullying and racism. And so it it pretty much piled on one after another after another, but it went unhealed for a very long time. And and it came out in very bad ways. It came out in my relationships. It came out through alcohol. It came out through, you know, antisocial behaviors. So I did all that as a way to escape from the pain. But at the end of it, until you actually sit there and try and analyze it and learn from it and grow, you can't heal the pain through negative ways. You can only heal pain positively. So it took me a while. And um, 
it was just those things that I went through that made me realize and, and intergenerational trauma of course I, it's a given if you're Indian it's just a given you're just going to go through that like <laughs> every, every Indian goes through this and I'm sure it's not just Indians I'm sure it's other nationalities as well and um, once I realized everything that I was going through um, it just made me really self-aware like I've always been self-aware like I, I can always explain to you why I do what I do but a lot of people don't get to that stage of being able to tell you why because they're just running from the pain so um, last year and the year before I started to really get into counseling domestic violence counseling I started with that and then um, it ventured into trauma counseling because trauma can be one of the causes of why people are perpetrators of domestic violence as well so it just unfolded itself and suddenly now I'm just obsessed with talking about trauma because I realize everybody goes through trauma and they just don't know that they've been through it they actually do not know and that's why I want to talk about it because you might be going through trauma right now and you don't realize it everybody goes through it and it's sometimes hard to identify I personally started my own mental health journey with getting into therapy and getting on medication and things like that. And the more I dove into trying to help myself and become more self-aware and heal myself, I realized that a lot of incidents in my past, in my childhood, really, that I look back on, they were trauma and I wasn't even identifying them as trauma. They were registering as just normal things that happened. So I am so glad that you brought that up. Yeah, I was the same. I I didn't know I went through trauma. I, I had no idea. Until I started really getting into it and learning it, I was like, oh, my God, like all, all of these things were trauma. I didn't even know. So it's so important to actually um, help people understand what trauma really is because it's such a heavy word. So people think people have a misconception about trauma because of how heavy the word sounds, but it's actually not that heavy. Do you want to actually dive into defining what trauma is just so we have an idea of it? If you want to kind of talk about how maybe regular trauma differs from intergenerational trauma? So trauma is any your physical, emotional or spiritual reaction to an event that like to a terrible event. So an event can be, you know, it's not just death or abuse that's a traumatizing event. It can be the loss of a job. It can be the loss of breakdown of a friendship, the loss of something monumental, anything that makes you feel distressed, anything that brings out a re a very strong reaction in you. So an emotional reaction would be, you know, feelings of anger and resentment, a very strong, intense feelings of that. Or physically, it could be, you know, you, you're feeling traumatized and you might lash out physically. Physically, it can be... Um, you know, you might start hitting people. Some people, as a reaction to trauma, they actually turn violent or they turn to drugs or they turn to alcohol or they turn to, you know, just antisocial behaviours, driving fast, sex, you name it, anything that makes you react in such a way. Or spiritually, it could be, you know, not believing in God anymore. You're, you're questioning the world. Anything that just tears you down. It's a trauma. It's a traumatising experience. Um some people think that trauma is, you know, I have to go through rape to 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 feel to be traumatized. That's that's not it. That's not the only thing. There's so many things that add to it. So trauma um, is different from intergenerational trauma because 
intergenerational trauma can be passed down from family members so it goes back generations like I know that in my family it's my mom her mom her mom and these trauma the patterns of trauma has been passed down so it's not just one thing that happened to you that caused you trauma it's a lifetime of trauma that is passed down because trauma wasn't isn't talked about as much as it should be and it definitely wasn't talked about 50 years ago or 100 years ago nobody spoke about it and that's why trauma got passed down and it's passed down through your beliefs through your parenting styles through your culture through your the way that you your day-to-day operations through your marriage through everything trauma is passed down with the way that you, through your behaviors and it's unhealed. So if you're not healing from your own trauma, your children are going to cop that. Your children are going to go through it. And that's why sometimes parents can be quite toxic because they haven't healed from their own trauma that has been passed down. They haven't broken that cycle. They haven't realized the patterns of trauma. They haven't. So I'll give you an example. In my family, there's a we have I have a pattern of um, grief and abandonment. And that started from generations before. I now am trying to break that, which nobody else could. But because of my awareness, I'm able to. So that's sort of the differentiation. Like a trauma can be just a one-off experience, but intergenerational trauma is literally passed through the generations. And it's not just your mom's side. It can be your dad's side. And so you've got like four lots of, like your grandparents, you'll have four grandparents, their parents, their parents. And it's so complex. That's why it's hard to heal from intergenerational trauma. Do you think intergenerational trauma specifically is almost unavoidable at this point, just because, you know, our parents and older generations didn't know about trauma and they don't, didn't have as many resources with therapy and they didn't really talk about these things. So do you think that almost everybody could carry intergenerational trauma around? I think they can. Um, especially when there's no awareness. I mean, you bet that even, you know, my my mom and her parents, nobody, nobody talked about mental health in my family. And I almost feel like the black sheep. I feel like I feel so outcasted because here I am being like, no, it's mental health. And the reason why this person does this is because of something they went through. Like I have so much awareness and understanding. I almost have to expect blame this constantly to my family or to older generations as to why a person behaves the way they do but they it's not a it's not a topic that resonates with them like it's not something they think about it's such a foreign concept like even my family when I first mentioned it they were like sorry what are you talking about like what does that even mean like they were always crazy (laughs) and I'm like no it's a thing and to tell somebody that you went through trauma it's really confronting. So it's almost hard to tell somebody, hey, you've actually gone through trauma. Somebody who doesn't talk about mental health or believe in mental health, to tell them that, they'll be like, no, I didn't. They get defensive. That was me for the longest time because I've always felt that like I didn't qualify to have anxiety. I didn't qualify to have depression. I didn't have a terrible enough like childhood to qualify to have had trauma happen to me. So if there are people out there listening who may be in that spot and they're saying to themselves, well, I don't think I'm experiencing trauma because, you know, people have it worse than me. What would you kind of say to those people? 
I used to think like that as well. Like, oh, there are people who, you know, they live in poverty and at least I have a house and at least I have, at least I've got a job or at least I went to school. And while all that is great, you still deserve to lead the best life possible. Like you still deserve to, you know, learn about mental health and learn about how it affected you because it affects your body as well. Like, like we store trauma, we store negative emotions in our, in different parts of our bodies. So sometimes even like chronic pain that we might feel, it's actually a result of trauma. So many things that we go through physically, it can be a result of our mental because mental, physical and spiritual, they're all connected. So I think that if there's anybody, you know, saying that, oh, but, you know, I had it worse and uh, sorry, other people have it worse. You're not doing justice to yourself. You're not doing justice to the people around you or even your children because you might be causing your child trauma. You might not be the best version of yourself around people and people might be uncomfortable around you because of the way, because of the behaviours you exhibit. You're not giving yourself and other people a chance to be with your authentic self. Like you're not giving yourself that chance to, to heal and become happy and lead the best life possible. So while it's noble to, you know, think that, oh, other people have it worse. I, I, I mean, I know people have it worse than me. That doesn't mean that I neglect myself. At the end of the day, you have to look out for yourself. Like nobody else is going to do that. that that's, that's on you. Even if they're suffering, people you think are suffering, they don't even know who you are. Like it, it doesn't help to have that thought, like school of thought, and still have a destructive mindset and still be going through so much trauma. It doesn't, it doesn't benefit you in any way. So definitely seek out the help and don't be afraid. A lot of people are ashamed and afraid because um, from my experience, a lot of people are scared to relive the trauma so they don't get help because they have to talk about it. They feel like they're going to have to relive the whole thing again. Um, and they're scared of how they're going to feel emotionally, physically, what's going to happen to them. So they avoid it and they constantly avoid it. And then they numb it. They numb it through other ways. Then they'll turn to binge eating or not eating enough or becoming a gym junkie or smoking, whatever it is they do, but they don't get to the root cause. So they suffer. At the end of the day, they suffer because they don't, they're scared to heal. And, but a good therapist you're not going to be afraid. If you go to a good counselor or a good therapist, the right one for you, it's not going to be a scary experience. It's not what we see on TV. It's not like sometimes the TV gives us a wrong misconception of what therapy looks like, but it's not like that. And times have changed. So just, yeah, just please like get the help you deserve because if you don't heal, other people around you are dealing with the unhealthy version of you too. And it's not fair on them as well. I love that you said all of that. I honestly feel like you were just like reading me for filth when I was in college, because that's how I acted. You know, I was shutting off. I was not acknowledging trauma. I wasn't getting help. You know, I was bearing things inside. I would binge drink all of the time. Like there was a point in college where I would drink Tuesday through Sunday and take one day off and still be trying to like function and go to classes and appear that I had my life together and still be super involved because I was just hurting so much inside that I was like, I need to numb this. I need to suppress this. And it led to, you know, a lot of really bad relationships and, you know, I wasn't perfect. I ended up hurting, you know, probably a lot of people along the way. And I had friendships and on my behalf, you know, because of my actions. And like you said, once you lean into it and actually want to fix a problem and you find a good therapist, 
that you trust and you feel safe with and you feel like, okay, this is the person I can finally put all of this trauma and just guilt and shame onto and open up to them about it. And then they can help me navigate through this. So I love that you brought in the piece of therapy as well, because I'm a huge therapy advocate. So yes, I mean, I used to drink as well. And I did it when I was at university as well. I was always drinking. I was just trying to numb the pain, keeping my life together, going to uni. Don't know how I passed, but I did. But I was doing the same thing because I was only like 19 or something. Like all, all I wanted to do when I was younger was escape the pain through any means possible. And it and it was always self-destruction because I'd rather I wanted to take it out on myself. I didn't want to take it out on anybody else because in my mind I thought, well, nobody's gonna understand. And then I didn't go to therapy, I didn't get the help that I needed. So I struggled. It was always like I did it to myself, pretty much. <laughs> I did it all to myself. I love that you use the term self-destruction and like reframing it in that way, because yeah, like you want to internalize it all. You want to take it on by yourself. You think you can handle it, but just sometimes trauma and everything that goes on is bigger than you. And like you said, if it's intergenerational trauma, it's definitely bigger than you. And that's something you can't solve by yourself. No, no. A lot of things you can um, find out about online. Like I learn a lot just through research. Um, about myself but until and unless you go to a coach uh, sorry a counselor or a psychologist who who specializes in what you're going through sometimes you might have bad experiences I've had bad experiences with um, I went to a psychologist she called me crazy if you try to go to somebody and things don't work out some people they don't want to go back and get therapy again because of the negative experience they had and it really sucks because there are a lot of red flags in the mental health industry as well. Some people, some coaches will purposely not help you because they want you to come back to them, like psychologists and counselors, yep. especially if you're paying each session, if you're paying, if it's not co- covered by the government, like here in Australia, um, you get 20 free sessions with a psychologist, it's covered by the government. But if um, they, they, if you're paying for it, however, sometimes they'll purposely not tell you what, they'll purposely not help you because they want more money from you. So it's very important to um, just be aware that not everybody is an angel, like in the mental health profession, like not everybody's there to help you. So it's, it is a gamble going to get help because you don't know who you're going to find, but don't give up because there are some genuine people out there who really do want to help you. Here in America, you know, we don't have any form of like universal health care, you know, unless you have health insurance, then, you know, you're getting, even if, even if you have health insurance, I still pay like $25 every week for my copay of therapy. And then if you don't have health insurance, it can be hundreds on hundreds of dollars. So I definitely love that you said that because here in America, you know, if you have, are somebody who doesn't have insurance and you are paying out of pocket and you feel like your sessions aren't going anywhere and things aren't progressing, then you need to self-advocate. Like, and I always tell my audience, you know, there's nothing wrong with seeing multiple therapists, you know, it's like almost like speed dating. You have to go through like the initial intake appointment just to figure out, is this going to be the one? Do I feel comfortable with them? That's right. We're, we are very quick to help ourselves when it comes to our physical bodies, but we need to give the same respect to our mind because our mind and our bodies are so connected in, in more ways than you think. And if we don't look after our mind, we will suffer physically also love that you mentioned um 
you know, it's so much with the mind, not only body, because I feel like a lot of times people are so focused on your body. The whole goal, like if you are going through trauma, the whole goal is to activate your your parasympathetic nervous system. So you've got your um, your autonomic nervous system, and that's located like at the back of your neck down to your spine. And that controls your circulation of blood, your urination, your digestion, your breathing, your heart rate. That's what that's what the AMS controls. But um, it it gets you your para, your sorry your sympathetic nervous system. It sort of gets you ready for flight or fight. So when you're when you're when you're um, when you're feeling like there's a threat of trauma somewhere, it prepares your body for danger. It increases your heart rate. So when you're faced with a with a situation that you find like you're feeling extremely distressed, what happens to you physically? Your heart goes fast. So you might start shaking. You might not know what to say. You're you know you might need to frequently go to the bathroom or you know, your muscles tense up. These are all the things we face when we go through trauma. So the goal is to learn how to activate your parasympathetic nervous system, which does the complete opposite. So it restores your body to calm. You know, it helps your heart rate to sort of like decrease, not increase. Like it helps your mouth not to feel dry when you're feeling, um, when you're feeling under the pressure, when you're feeling traumatized, you're, you don't feel the need to fight or flight. So the whole goal is to always be activating your parasympathetic nervous system. It's, you know, and your vagus nerve. And there are so many ways you can do that if you start practicing these things now when you're in a calm state so that when at the time that you feel like there's a threat, it's all about interrupting that threat response. So you perceive something to be a, be a trauma, to be a threat, you need to interrupt that. So if you start practicing from now, breathing exercises or just exercising in general or for different forms of um, therapy like art like for me music is my therapy I love music right writing music journaling um, learning how to manage stress so talk therapy going to a psychologist or just anything that helps you to relax if you practice that on a daily basis when you when you feel like you might be in a situation that might be quite traumatizing to you, you'll be able to calm yourself down quickly. Your body won't erupt. Your body won't feel like, oh, my heart's going fast and I can't breathe properly. You, you won't clench up. You know, you won't feel like your chest hurts. You won't feel so anxious. But trying to activate your parasympathetic nervous system, it's it's an art. It's not something you do in a day. Like for me. I know that when I've been faced with situations where I got scared, um, my heart would go fast. My body reacts like that. My heart goes fast. I get shaky. I lose. I, I don't feel like eating. I start running to the bathroom. These are This is all my sympathetic nervous system activating. But when I practice just sitting here, just whatever situation, just breathing, just trying to rationalize everything. Because when trauma is an altered state of mind, we, our mind is just completely altered. So we're not able to think rationally. We can't think straight. So at that time, it's like there's this rush of energy through your body. Your energy is going up, but your mind is like, hold on a second. What's going on? I'm trying to decode this. And then it's a clash. Your energy doesn't know where to go. Your energy is lost in your body. It doesn't know where to go. And energy is just like emotion is energy in motion. So you start feeling all these motions. There's two separate things happening like in your body at the same time. Your brain's trying to process what's happening, but the rush of energy, the body doesn't know where to send it. That's why people feel literally so fucked. 
It's about practicing how to remain calm. And it's doing that on a daily basis. That's why so many people, they turn to meditation and yoga. It doesn't help everybody, but sometimes it helps people. Um, or they they leave the situation. They go, they go exercise. They might have a cold shower. Cold showers are so beneficial. It sounds like a little thing, but cold showers, boom, your, your body temperature just goes back to normal. It helps you regulate. You feel regulated after um, using visualization techniques, um, even things like, on a daily basis, just eating regularly. Like before you think there's something wrong with you in your mind, are you eating regularly? Are you sleeping regularly? Are you exercising regularly? Do you have shit friends or do you have good friends? Like who's around you? What is, what is your surroundings like? What are you putting in your body? You are what you eat. You've got to think of all these things before you believe that there's something wrong with you. A lot of the times it's just our habits that are so self-destructive. It's not necessarily us, but we're trying to run from the trauma. So with the piece of anxiety and trauma, you know, you described fight or flight, you described it it leading to anxiety. So do you think that there is really a difference between the feeling of trauma reacting to trauma and feeling anxiety, or are they kind of hand in hand, kind of the same vibe? I think they're connected. I think some feel trauma. I think people feel anxiety because they feel like they're reliving a trauma. So when a person perceives something as a threat, it means that they have gone through the trauma before because that's why they're they're feeling threatened by it. They're they're fearing something will happen to them. They're fearing reliving it. I think they can go hand in hand. I mean, I I get anxiety and as soon as I feel anxious, that takes over my mind. I can't do anything else because I'm just sitting there like, what if this, what if that, my body hurts and my, my chest tightens up, everything happens. And at that point, and that's the most pivotal point, is when you need to sit there and think, okay, so what is the worst possible thing that's going to happen? And you need to break down your thoughts at that time. Why am I feeling anxious? What is my fear? Is this fear rational or is it irrational? If my fear comes true, what's going to happen? What is the worst thing that's going to happen? You really, at the point where you are feeling threatened, feeling anxious, feeling stressed, worried, scared, whatever it is you're feeling, you have to interrupt that by trying to rationalize the thought but if you can learn to do that your feelings of anxiety and and the the way your body reacts to trauma it won't react so strongly you'll be able to calm yourself down very fast if you've got the resources around you you can calm yourself down very fast and that resources include calling somebody so calling a friend who knows your situation sometimes even your friends and family can give you some really bad advice. So you have to be careful who, who you contact. Um, you know, uh, flicking to a, to a YouTube video that helps to restore you back to your natural state of mind. Um, you know, identifying where this comes from. A lot, a lot of people don't realise why they react the way they do. Um, for example, I will not sit in the car in a, like an Uber or a taxi by myself. And most people think I'm crazy. They'll be like, oh, you're just being a typical woman. But then I have to explain to them, like, I've had, I've been violated before. Like, men have taken advantage of me. There's a whole backstory behind it. So why do I do what I do? You have to go all the way back and to identify it. But sometimes people find it hard to identify it. And um, that's also another reason why they continue to suffer. 
that is it for part one of the intergenerational trauma series with Shalina Lodia. Next week, we will be back to talk more with Shalina about intergenerational trauma, specifically women's trauma, cultural trauma, and religious trauma. And that second half of the conversation is one that you definitely do not want to miss. I don't want to give away too much. So tune back in next Monday to hear the rest of Shalina and I's conversation regarding intergenerational trauma. If you guys like this week's episode, please go ahead and rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. All right, that is it for this Monday, and we will see you back here next week to talk more with Shalina. Have a great week, you guys, and always remember this world is better with you in it. This week's song is Candlelight by Zavaya. This is a song that is all about going through hard times. Zavaya actually said in an interview that she wrote this song when she was going through one of the hardest times in her life, but this song helped her overcome that time by learning how to remain optimistic and believing that there's always a way even when you don't know how everything is going to work out. So if you want to check out Candlelight by Zavaya, you can find it on the Search for Serotonin playlist, which will be linked in the show notes. See you next Monday.